Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntra is here. Great conversation today with Keith Champagne. Now, you know Keith. He's an excellent writer and inker uh, on the art side. His work with uh, great people like Doug Monkey and Don Kramer. Keith was part of the art team on JSA for quite some time. We also know that uh, Keith uh, was a hell of a writer, too. In fact, uh, wrote one of my favorite uh, JSA stories back in the day. Well, he and Tom Nguyen have an excellent Kickstarter campaign that has about two weeks left, and it's for their graphic novel called The Switch, and it's all about a supervillain who decides that her supervillain friends are getting a little too crazy, and uh, she has a moment of clarity and decides to become a superhero, and we find out the ramifications of that switch. The Switch is uh, an active Kickstarter campaign, as I said. We talk about that. We talk about a lot of other comic book things that we both enjoy. And uh, it's a great opportunity to uh, talk to Keith Champagne on today's Word Balloon. It's brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support via Patreon. Uh, if you want information on how to subscribe to Word Balloon, go to wordballoon.com. Click on the uh, Patreon icon. It'll take you to our Patreon page, and you'll get lots of information. Thank you very much. Had a few uh, new Patreon people this week. Thank you very much for your support. It truly is appreciated, especially with convention season coming up, because it helps Word Balloon travel to all the great places and uh, make our new connections and uh, get new content for you, both from the conventions and also uh, through uh, new contacts and eventually new guests. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Tremendous deals happening now at InStock Trades. And interesting timing because, man, there is some crazy product going on. Have you seen the Civil War box set slipcase? My goodness, from Marvel. Uh, it con collects the entire run in uh, the type of shelf porn that uh, you would not believe. And this is everything. I mean, all the tie-ins and the main story itself, uh, it's... I can't even imagine how many pages that winds up being. How many? 4,120 pages. Uh, you can save 45%. In-stock trades price is $275. That's down from the $500 at standard retail price. Some other great deals. The Superior Foes of Spider-Man Omnibus from uh, Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber, also 45% off, $27.49. You can get the Black Canary trade paperback, Volume 1, Kicking and Screaming, Brendan Fletcher, Amy Chu, and others. Uh, excellent stuff, man. Uh, it is 50% uh, off, $7.49. You can get Conan, Hardcover Volume 19, Fred Van Lenty and Brian Ching uh, handling uh, the storytelling chores. 45% off, $13.74. You can get Daredevil by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen. The Omnibus is 50% off, $62.50. Just the tip of the iceberg of some of the great deals you can find at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself right now at InStockTrades.com. All right, I knew I met this guy a few years ago, and I think Don Kramer is the guy who introduced us, but um, I guess it happened in San Diego as we talk about it. Let's uh, get to know Keith Champagne better and talk more about his Kickstarter campaign, The Switch, now on Word Balloon. Keith Champagne, welcome to Word Balloon. A uh, longtime admirer, and it's a, it's a pleasure to finally talk to you. Thanks, John, and I would say the exact same thing to you. A longtime admirer, and it's great talking to you. Excellent. We, we were talking off the air. I guess we did. we met briefly. And and I guess San Diego is the likely place that we met years and years ago. And I, like I said, I think I I think maybe Don Kramer might have introduced us. You know, I'm I'm ridiculously good looking. <laughs> so, All right, I don't mean to yeah, laugh. I'm sure, you remember, you must remember it. I mean, 
It's like when you look into the sun and get blinded. That's what it's like when you look at my handsome face. <laughs> well, I know because uh, you were part of the team of uh, JSA, and uh, I'm a I'm a massive Justice Society fan, longtime fan. That run is uh, truly one of my favorite runs. And uh, all of you guys, uh, because not only did you provide great art chops, but I know you wrote uh, at least one John. Wasn't it a Johnny Thunder story back in the day? Yeah, I think I wrote. I think or a Hakeem uh, Thunder. Yeah, you know, it was a three-parter it? that I wrote when when Jeff got super busy with one of the Crisis books. Of course, yeah, they, you know, totally. Actually, it probably was either Infinite or Final Crisis. Yeah, around that time. I think it was. I don't even. I forget. They all blur together, but. I understand. They, they put me uh, in, and, and I did my best on that. It was a lot of fun. I got out thrust covers on those issues, too, so that was a great thing. And you were telling me 20, 22, 23 years doing uh, DC stuff? Yeah, it's been a long time. I had a hard time believing that I'm that old now. I can appreciate that. I'm, I joined the club, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil. And you don't even have to say whether you, what, what specific book, if you are working on a Rebirth book. But are you part of the Rebirth project at all? Uh, not at the moment, no. There's still, okay. I think they're still formulating a lot of plans with the Rebirth stuff. That's what I was told anyway. So I'm okay. waiting to hear what I'm going to be doing, if I'm going to be doing anything. But there's always, always stuff rolling in. I can appreciate that. And in the uh, meantime, you and uh, Tom Nguyen, the reason why we're talking today, you're in the midst of a Kickstarter campaign for um, a, a new super book called The Switch. Yes, and I'll let you. I'll let you give the pitch because I. It's kind of a superhero book. It's kind of a supervillain book. Uh, you you give the uh, the ten cent tour on the on the switch. Right, sure. I mean, the, the switch is basically the story of a supervillain. Her name is uh, Electricia, and some people love that name. Some people are like, "Why do you name her Electricia, you moron?" Uh, <laughs> I got no problem. with I like it. So you know, and I'm the writer, so we went with that. But <laughs> she's you know she's been a supervillain. She's Maybe like number two on the FBI's most wanted list in this world, you know, just feared and uh, by the general population. Uh, and she's part of a group of uh, villains called Murderers Row, which is sort of our Legion of Doom. Okay. But deep down inside, she's not into it anymore. You know, maybe being a supervillain for her was fun in the beginning. Like she fell in with the wrong guy and ended up in this villain group. But she's having a change of heart. And she doesn't like the direction her life has gone in. She regrets a lot of the things that she's done. And she just wants to change her life. She wants to try to be a better person, but she can't because she's part of the superhero group, or the supervillain group, rather. And she knows all their secrets. They're not going to let her leave. So she starts to cheat on them. Uh, she creates a new identity as a superhero named the Switch and starts to fight crime instead of uh, committing crime. And the story kind of unfolds from there. <laughs> and that's cool. Now, are you and uh, Tom Nguyen, are you, are you guys sharing art duties as well as you writing? I am doing no artwork on this. It's all, it's all the Tom show. Wow. And uh, he, he wants to, I mean, I think I'm going to help out in terms of, uh, I'm going to letter the book and I'm going to maybe do some flat coloring just to kind of save time because we have a lot of uh, pages that we're going to have to crank out. But all the penciling and inking are going to be done by Tom. The rounded color by Tom. Uh, I think Tom's going to design the overall uh, package of the book. So it's really like it's going to be a showcase for him, and he deserves it. He's such a talented guy, and he's most well-known uh, as an inker. But the guy can draw like a son of a gun. 
And uh, especially for a book that's focused on a female character. I mean, Tom is a master of the female figure, so he's the perfect guy for this. No, she looks amazing. And, um, yeah, I was going to give you guys both props and still will in terms of your art talents. And I'll say uh, Tom in particular for this project, given that he's doing the solo art and everything. Yeah, you guys you guys were part of that Doug Monkey team. Yeah, that would, you know, always like kind of come in and, and do books. And uh, as well as uh, I know, uh, you know, on JSA, Don Kramer was the primary artist. But uh, that's the thing. No, I, I, I know both your names from from that period. I enjoyed your uh, your Hakeem Thunder uh, story in JSA. And uh, Tom is Tom's great. So this is this is fantastic. I mean, you guys are an A-list team. And I, I think this is uh, this is a fun project. So very cool. Plus, uh, as far as some of your incentives, too, you're calling on a lot of your uh, fellow uh, A-listers in terms of uh, being able to provide uh, some uh, some premiums and stuff as far as sketches and things. Yeah, definitely. We have a whole, uh, I guess I'll say a, a murderous row again. Uh, yes, this indeed. time of, of artists that are helping us out are different friends of ours that we just have reached out to while we we're playing this thing and said, hey, guys, you know, would you be willing to do a sketch? Would you donate something, you know, as a special reward? We wanted to make our Kickstarter different, and we wanted to make it a little bigger and more special than you know what people are used to seeing from this stuff. And uh, to a person, they, everyone said yes. Uh, and I'm talking guys, you know, like Doug Monkey and uh, Leonard Kirk, Jerry Ordway, uh, Neil Edwards, Pasquale Ferry, Pat Gleason, uh, Tomasi, Bo Smith, Daryl Banks. Like it goes on and on. Don Kramer, our, our mutual friend Don. Absolutely. You know, everyone was just very happy to help out, and which is amazing because they're all doing it for free. And they're all just nice guys who are like, yeah, and, you know, no big deal. So, I mean, and, and that's the cool part of this industry is, you know, you really meet very few um, assholes. True. It's mostly just really <laughs> nice guys who just like to hang out and draw. Absolutely. Guys and women that are very cool. And it seems like the, the more talented a person is, uh, the less ego they have, which makes, you know, knowing these people even more of a pleasure. The uh, the initial book size is going to be 64 pages? Yeah, it's going to be 64 pages. Um, we are just about to our funding goal for that right now. We're 92% funded. So, and we still have uh, three weeks left. I mean, the Kickstarter is going really well. So mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get to 80 pages. Right. That's so. Yeah. If it's if you if you really at the very least can go 7,000 above your goal, you're talking about making it an 80 page graphic novel. Yeah, we'd like to make it 80 pages. Um, our ultimate goal is a nice 80 page hardcover. It's going to be oversized. Uh, I, we wanted to make the format a little bigger, so we're uh, we feel, we feel so, like comics are too small in general. So bigger than a standard comic book, but not quite treasury size, right? No, not treasury size, but like you remember back in the eighties, like the old Marvel graphic novels, the death of Captain Marvel. Yeah, like sure. that same size, eight and a half by eleven and a quarter, I think it was. And uh, okay, like a like a like a slice of notebook paper or whatever. Yeah, like a you know, comic book art is so shrunk down now. Yeah, that you really don't even get to enjoy it that much. Like it's very hard to. You're going to need a magnifying glass to really enjoy the work that people put in sometimes. So we're just going to give it room to breathe. And, you know, especially Tom's, uh, his line work is very precise, very intricate. Like he's, it's very controlled and I want to show that off. So we That's excellent. Exercise, we'll do that. And, you know, we were talking before, uh, John, and I think you said this will probably run Monday or Tuesday, right? Right. 
So I can tell you this first then because I'm pretty sure by Monday or Tuesday it will have hit uh, our initial goal. We'll be into the stretch goals. So we have a really special guest artist that I haven't told anyone about yet. I've just kind of hinted at it. Oh. Uh, he asked me not to use his name until we get to the stretch goal phase. So you're the first person I'm telling that John Byrne is going to be contributing a reward for our um, Kickstarter also. Wow. Yeah, I was, he's the nicest guy in the world. I don't know him super, super well, but I worked with him at D.C., and he's always been incredibly generous and kind to me. And I said, John, you know, could you help us out? And he said, I'm on board for that. No problem. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm really, we're really excited about that. We feel like that'll really um, – I mean, how many chances do you get to get a John Byrne sketch? No kidding, man. No, absolutely. So, Good God. I mean, he's mostly just doing his own thing. Yeah. I told, I told him. I said, John, you should do a Kickstarter. Like, you know, if Tom... Yeah, no kidding. He, I mean, he's got his throngs of fans and everything. Yeah, with, with his status in the industry, I mean, he could really do some damage on this thing and get a new creator own book out. Like, I would buy... I would support a John Byrne Next Men uh, Kickstarter. I can appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I... And, and it's a shame because I came really close to interviewing him and, and didn't follow up on it. And then, you know, John just kind of said, no more interviews. You want to talk to me? I'll talk to you through my forum. And I respect that. That's that's fine. And I and I'll even admit there have been times that I've teased about that because he is so single-minded about a lot of his opinions. And I and that's okay. I don't I respect the guy who will stand by his convictions, but I also think sometimes it's like if I disagree, it's like, all right, fine. Like I know he's not big on if you refer to soups as you know, Superman as soups and Batman as bats. It's like, hey, Superman and Batman, thank you. And I respect that to a degree, but I'm also like, all right, man, I'm a, you know, I'm a 50 year old fan. I'm like, come on, man. I, I read enough DC letter pages where Murray Boltonoff was saying stuff like that. So it looked like it was kosher. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. But again, by the same token, the people who work with him directly and know him well, all speak about how, how generous of a guy he is Walt Simonson and your, your story right now. So it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and it's, that's fantastic. That's huge. Yeah, no, I mean, it really, and made, I mean, John Byrne's my hero. I respect that as well. And I know a lot of uh, artists that are around our age and younger that would say the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, so just the fact that I got to, I've gotten to know my hero a little bit and he really is a great guy. I mean, there, you know, you always hear like all these bad Byrne stories, which he talks about on his forum sometimes. Sure. Um, but there's two sides to every story. And uh, my side of the story is that this is a really he's a good guy. Sure. And no, I agree with you in terms of the Kickstarter thing. And that's why I, I, it would be interesting to hear his, you know, whatever his thoughts are on Kickstarter and why he wouldn't do it. I know some people obviously, you know, they, they if if a publisher is willing to do it, had a publisher been willing to do it, would you have taken uh, the switch? I mean, you kind of talk about that on your Kickstarter page. Yeah, but, uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I don't think I would have took. I don't think I wanted to take this one to a publisher. Like this idea is really, uh, it comes from a very personal place inside of me. Like the inspiration of it, and even though it's a super villain uh, comic, you know, it started with some truth inside of inside of me. Uh, I just couldn't see putting it out there and then letting some company take a year to read it and decide, and then you know to have a um, creative committee meet about it and debate it and see if they could maybe. Does it have potential as a TV show or a movie? Uh, how could we cross-platform this? Sure. Know, like, it's exhausting when you think about it. Like, we just want to make a, a good comic. And I, I mentioned this on the, on the Kickstarter page, I think. You know, like, we didn't really know what was going to happen. 
when we put it on Kickstarter, like we were, we were like, geez, we could put this out there and no one's going to care and it's going to be really embarrassing and people are going to laugh at us. Um, but at least we'll know in 30 days if we can do a comic or not. And, and luckily it's working out so far. You know, whereas if you go to a, a different company, uh, they just it's just not efficient anymore. And, uh, you know, we got to make a living. Did you, this is a stock question I always ask all the Kickstarter people. Who did you talk to in terms of advising you uh, to do this campaign? You know, I talked to a guy named Fernando Ruiz a little bit through the email. I know Fernando. I know the name. I, I haven't had him on a word balloon. Talk about Fernando Ruiz. Yeah, no, Fernando. Uh, I went to the Cuba School with Fernando. Okay. Uh, we were in the same class, and he just did a Kickstarter a few months ago with a guy named Dan Parent, another Archie artist. Yes. Okay. I do remember their uh, campaign. Go and, on. Uh, I talked to Dan about yeah, it. Yeah, no, they, they killed it. Like, they did so well. And I, that was their original character that was kind of a ghost, uh, like, kind of in that realm of Archie's supernatural world, obviously, with, you know, Dan and Fernando, for that matter, working in that world. But, yeah, I mean, you could see it being an Archie character, but it was an original kind of supernatural female character. Yeah, 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 right? exactly. Is, is that the one that you're talking yep, about, right? Yeah, it's called Die Kitty Die. Die Kitty Die, yes, absolutely, yes. And uh, so and there was a one before that that, Tom Mandrake and John Ostrander had put together that I followed pretty closely because in, in the back of my mind, I was like, I think I'm going to do this and I'm going to start paying attention to how people do it. And uh, just watching the way they ran their campaign, I learned a lot. And then I had a few questions just about nuts and bolts that I ran past Fernando. And uh, he was really generous with his advice. And we just, you know, put it together. It was a lot of work. I mean, you know, probably 20 hours of just building the Kickstarter page. I have no doubt. I have no while well, I'm doing the video and everything. Yeah, too. And I hate that. I hate doing videos. So, <laughs> as a radio guy, I can appreciate. That. I had a I friend understand. of mine tell me yesterday that I was effing terrible in the video. <laughs> I was like, well, dude, I was, you know, he's like, you know, you're you're a pretty personable guy in real life, but in the video, like, I hate you. <laughs> I was like, dude, I was trying to be quiet so my kids wouldn't like run in the room and and uh, ruin it. And then after I did the video, like I didn't want to watch it again because if I ever watched it, I would just do it over and over and over again. I understand. So I Are you, take. Do you have that? Do you have that slightly hooded eye look? Like you're. At oh yeah, point? everyone does. Like I don't, I don't know where to look. I'm trying to look in the camera, but then it's like I'm looking myself in the eye. So then I'm looking down, but then I look like I'm staring at my feet. I told Jeremy Hahn he was doing a video interview at a convention. And I'm like, Jared, it's like somebody's got a shotgun to your head and we can't see it. It's off screen. But you're like, uh, uh, this is my book and uh, it's uh, it's OK. And you look shifty and uncomfortable and you're just praying that the trigger isn't pulled before you finish your, your sentence, man. <laughs> so, Jesus, that's awesome. I uh, So and social media, I mean, how you know, and I uh, obviously one of the ways you're getting the word out is being here on Word Balloon and I appreciate that. But yeah, well, how else uh, how else are you uh, putting the word out? Well, I mean, I don't have the biggest social media imprint in the world. I mean, I only have maybe 130 people that follow me on Twitter. Do I follow you on Twitter? I would be happy to follow you. Well, on if Twitter. you want to, that'd be great. I have 130. Be my pleasure, man. Like please. Superstar right now. Stop. Thank uh, you. That's nice. But you know, please. I mean, I have. I have a good amount of people on my Facebook page, but it's mostly people like my real life friends. I, good for you, man. That's it's okay. It's more of a personal page than it is like a, a reader. Yeah, you know, I actually have three friends. So, no, but that's good, man. I mean, I there, I God, and this sounds. I don't. I don't mean for this to sound like you know, because I do engage my the people who listen to Word Balloon, and I do appreciate that. But I do kind of wish that it's like, oh, I would like kind of a separate space 
where I can just communicate to my family and my immediate friends and everything. So, you know. Yeah. And, you know, have a, a separate feed of like, all right, what's going on with, you know, let me let me just focus on the immediate circle and what's happening and stuff like that. So I could appreciate that. But, yeah, man, no, you're, you know, you're, you're a good artist and everything. And I would think that, you know, and Tom certainly is. So you've got you like 20, 23 years in the business, for God's sake. I would hope that you guys have enough of a reputation that you can get the word out. So what are you doing? Well, like, I mean, you know, I, I have been um, – Tom has, a, has a, a lot of followers on Instagram, on Twitter – he has, cool. you know, he's got 5,000 people on Facebook. So I've been kind of relying on Tom where I'll, I'll tag him in posts and then it'll, he'll spread it to his people. And then like a lot of our guys, you know, like, like Ordway has 12,000 people on Twitter. He was like, let me tweet this out for you. And, uh, and I have been, you know, Twittering or tweeting or whatever now trying to get the hang of this stuff. Cause it, you know, I kind of regret not building up that side of things. Um, so I'm I'm just working it as much as I can and getting by with the help of friends and, and the words out there. Cool. And I, I really don't I, I know. Was... I think there's also a, a portion of the audience or the readers that go directly to Kickstarter and just kind of scroll through and find things that look interesting. That's exactly what I was going to ask you because Paul Jenkins has told me that that uh, Kickstarter in itself that that community will respond and like you said comb the comb the uh, projects. And and I was wondering if you've checked the analytics at all to see how many of your backers are coming from that pure Kickstarter uh, audience. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the analytics right now. I just booted it up while we're talking so I could look at this. Cool. And, um, you know, we're, we're right about $16,000 in our campaign right now. And according to the analytics, it says that 6000 of that is directly from Kickstarter, whereas... Ten grand comes from external referrers like Facebook or Twitter or, you know, okay. different websites that I've done interviews for. Okay. So around a third, based on the goal, yeah. of what you're you know looking for, and that's the thing, man. You're only looking for at least to get this initial sixty-four page graphic novel. You're looking for seventeen grand. Yeah. So uh, that's great. As you said, you're like ninety percent there. So that's terrific. Yeah, you're only like you know about uh, about uh, thirteen or twelve hundred bucks away from uh, making it happen. So that's, that's very cool. Yeah. I'm hoping by about Saturday, we should hit that initial goal. And then, you know, this Kickstarter campaign, it's a full-time job. Like, I'm aware of that as well. Basically, Talk about that. It's basically all you think about uh, while it's going on. Like, you know, I wake up in the morning and I've got 30 notifications on my phone of stuff that's happened while I'm sleeping. And then I'm responding to messages. I'm updating the page uh, when I'm doing my other work. In the back of my mind, I'm only thinking about the Kickstarter. It's like, what's going on? What do I need to do? How do I push it today? What angle can I can I choose for a different promotion today? How can I, you know, how do we make it different? How do we make it better? It's a, it's mentally exhausting more than anything. So I think <laughs> when we hit the initial goal, when we hit the 17, a knock on wood, that'll happen in a couple of days. Uh, I can just relax and just enjoy this, and then we'll, you know, we have a lot of really cool stretch goals coming up. As high from John Byrne that I think people are going to really enjoy. And uh, I can just have fun with it. You know, all the pressure's off once we hit that 17 grand. Certainly. Talk, feel free to talk about any of the stretch goals you want to highlight uh, for people. I, w I just want to point out, too, and I love this, because a lot of times people do want to help, and they just want to read the story. And I think that's great that you're even offering right there at the, at, you know, the low end, five bucks, you get the 64-page story. So, I mean, that's a great price for 64 pages of comics. And as we were saying, 
you know, I, I don't want people to need a magnifying glass to appreciate Tom's intricate uh, detail. But honestly, that I, I just find myself as a Kickstarter supporter a lot of times like, yeah, I just want to read the story. You know, I'm like, I, I want to support you guys, but that's what I do and everything. And, you know, every every dollar counts. So that that's kind of a move I make. But obviously there are there are art hounds out there that would be interested in some of the stretch goals. So please uh, fire away. Well, I mean, and, you know, one of our first stretch goals, uh, Tom and I are putting the finishing touches on now, is just uh, the, the Tom Nguyen, uh, uh sketchbook. You know, Tom is an amazing painter. Uh, he works as a photographer with some of the most beautiful models that you're ever going to meet. I didn't know he was a photographer. Uh, That's he, awesome. He has a whole second career as a photographer. It's really crazy, the stuff that he does. Wow. Um, so he wants to pull together, like, a lot of his best work that people have never even seen. And, and just kind of give it away for free when we reach a certain goal. That's really cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, our, 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 our goal is not to charge people anything extra for the stretch goals, but just how much can we give you guys after we hit our next financial goal, which is 20 grand. Like, when we hit 20 grand, we're just going to start giving shit away for free. That's fantastic. So the, the uh, level to get uh, the book and access to some of the stretch stuff, what's the minimum that someone would have to pledge? Oh, I mean, if, if they pledge $5, they get the stretch goals for free. Oh, crazy, man. You know, we, like, we're, we're trying to put a lot of value into this thing and, you know, give you a lot of bang for your buck. And, and some of it is digital, so it doesn't cost us much to produce. And that makes it easier to give it away. Very cool. You know, but we're also doing coffee mugs. We're going to uh, <laughs> have a second T-shirt design that we're going to implement, I think. Excellent. You know, uh, just, and then we have more artist rewards coming down the pike, too. Twelve dollars, you get the uh, the hard, uh, the hard copy of the graphic novel. So again, hell of a price in today's market and stuff. That's what that's. I hope so. You know, I was looking at a Kickstarter last week, and you couldn't even get a physical copy of the book until you got to the twenty five dollar tier. Right. And I, I thought that was a little pricey, almost like in a, in a gouging kind of way. So you know, I definitely took that into account. Like I want people to just. And it's the same amount of money that I would sell the book for in a store. I think $12 is fair for this kind of uh, pack. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Well, you know, I mean, I, I appreciate your concern that it might be gouging and stuff. I think the wonderful thing, and isn't it a, a gratifying feeling to know that, yeah, I mean, people people do like you guys beyond the licensed characters that you've drawn in the past and truly do want to help you uh, like really, make this happen. I mean, some, of these, some of these pledges... Um, I'm just blown away by by it. Like I really, a couple of times I've gotten misty over this stuff. Like I can't believe that people are supporting it as much as they are so far. I hear you, man. I you know I use Patreon because as opposed to a single project, Word Balloon is ongoing. And no, man, every every dollar that uh, you know people pledge, it it blows my mind, and it's very sweet. And uh, readers and listeners and creators, and it's like wow. I, I yeah. It's it's terrific, and I and I appreciate. It. And coming from radio, I know what you mean because I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I should have advertisers, you know, promoting this because I've got a big enough audience that it would be in an advertiser's benefit too to to kind of advertise. And I, I'd like to, you know, be able to give it for free. And uh, I really do appreciate the people that are like, no, you know, we want to help you as well, and and you know, give you a couple bucks or whatever. So I get that. That's that's fantastic. Um, it's such an interesting it's, it's an interesting paradigm isn't it how the internet has opened things up just uh, to be able to give it away for free the whole crowdfunding thing is amazing well and further that barriers have dropped and as you said 
you don't have to go to a committee that will make you tie this in or, hey, I've got notes. And God, I, you know, working in radio, everything, every sound I create every day, <laughs> can you change this, this little bit? And it's so like, hi, I'm just checking in to justify my position yeah. at the company. Yeah, really. Hey, I've got there's, there's, my this favorite. adds nothing. What did you say? I said, hey, I've got notes, my four favorite words in the English language. <laughs> I bet, man. Jesus. No, that's, no, that's terrific. And again, yeah, it's, this is the most interesting thing is, that creators can legitimately have control over what they produce and, uh, and and find an audience that is willing to get it unfiltered. And it's like, no, we want your thing. We don't. We it doesn't need a DC Marvel or any other publisher stamp on it and stuff. So it's a very interesting and exciting time. And I'm really glad that there is a willing audience that is like, no, we like you. Yeah, we, uh, you know, and this and you're not gouging us. So no, it's cool. So yeah, twelve bucks for for. Uh, potentially a 64 page to an 80 page for 12 bucks. That's an awesome price. That's amazing. Well, thanks for, I appreciate that a lot because, you know, no I, question. I always second guess this stuff like, geez, am I too expensive? And I, you know, and we're, we're definitely not getting rich off it. Like all the money goes back into the book. So I'm glad that it's going to be worth the value. Do you have other ideas that you and Tom would like to explore? Or if this does well, would we see a volume two that's, of electrician you know, of the switch? That's definitely, an interesting question because I I think to myself too like could we do another Kickstarter down the road a year from now or, or whatever like is this one working out because there's a novelty to it it's the first time that we've done it um, you know a, a portion of Kickstarter is always friends and family like sure. even helping you out like if we come back and do it again can we line up another uh, murderous throw of artists to help us. Our friends and family are going to be like, oh, I'll help you out. Or are they going to be like, oh, again? You know, so it's we definitely have more ideas that we like to do. Uh, I'm going to take a wait-and-see attitude on it and just maybe a year from now see how we feel and see if we're ready to jump back in and try it again. And also if we can come up with new stuff in terms of rewards because we don't want to be repetitive. You know, we'd like to do something sure. else that's different and special again, not something that is the same old, same old for us. How are things going for you from a writing standpoint in terms of uh, comics and getting getting your work out there? I have, you know, how, how have things gone? Um, it's fifty fifty between my writing and my my art side of things. Really, uh, a lot of stuff I've written has I haven't written for DC since the Mighty ended. Aside from okay, the uh, the Superman Wonder Woman annual last year that I wrote with Tomasi. And that was, uh, but that didn't. That was completely rewritten. By the time I had finished writing it, they needed to do something different with the characters, and so my script wasn't valid anymore. Ah, so you know, a lot of my writing is on the independent uh, stage. I wrote a hundred-page graphic novel last summer that hasn't been announced yet, so I can't really talk about it. Okay. Uh, I wrote a a couple of series for Dynamite that haven't come out yet. Like a lot of stuff is just kind of sitting there waiting. Oh, cool, man. Well, I'm I I'm always interested in what licensed characters. Uh, people I know are writing for Dynamite and stuff, so I'll be interested in those announcements when they happen. Yeah, no, so we'll just kind of, you know, I keep busy. That's keep cool. It, That's I'm great. not on the stands every month anymore like I used to be, but I'm always behind the scenes uh, working on something. Okay, well, that's great. No, and that's, you know, I mean, um, you know, I look at it, guys like yourself or Phil Hester and Andy so Parks. Great, by the way. What's that? Phil Hester is so great. Oh, he's a mensch. And also, like, I'm really happy he and Andy Parks 
have proven to be, you know, strong writers as well as, you know, the great artists that they are and everything. And it's, it's kind of cool to see that happening. We were talking on the, uh, before we started uh, recording about, uh, uh, inking and, and penciling and stuff. And we were talking about some of the collaborations, not only yourself, but some others as well. And it is interesting how some guys are natural fits for the penciler that they're working with. And other, other times, and I don't think this is a bad thing, um, the art becomes something else. A, a classic example of that is the Simon and Kirby work from the, the 40s and 50s. Because there's, it's, it is something, when the two of them got together, it really was something different. Jack's art was very different when it was by himself or working with, you know, the Sinnets and the Mike Royers and the, and the, the various uh, anchors that he had over the years at Marvel. But you go back to that period and clearly, at least to me, it seems like Joe Simon had a, a heavy hand in his inking and it made for a different art experience. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, uh, I did a cover recreation last year. Of uh, the cover to Avengers number four, the First Captain America cover. Friend. Right, Cap lives. Right, that's it. That's Avengers four, the Captain America. Yeah, cover. The Captain America one, where he's kind of leaping with the shield. And I had never tried to work in the Kirby style before, and it's hard. Like it was really, it was really, really difficult. Like there was nothing easy about inking Kirby, so maybe Simon really had to impose himself over it. Just interesting, you know, just to kind of get through it. That's cool. And you were talking, you know, I mean. As I said, uh, I know a lot of times, too, uh, you and Tom were working uh, with Doug Monkey on uh, various projects. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, you know, always helping Doug out whenever he needs it. That's excellent. I'm a big I love Doug. Well, as a guy and as an artist, amazing artist and good, damn good guy. Yeah, you know, something you got to keep an eye out for one of these days is, um, I mean, it was years ago now, I wrote Joker Year One for DC, and uh, Doug was my artist. No kidding. No, and he drew like the first, it was an 80-page book. Or I forget how many pages it was now. It was a big book. And he drew like the first, you know, 30, 35 pages, and Christian Almy was inking it. And it was the best work Doug has ever done in his entire life. That's fantastic. And, and, was, it a, was it a Red Hood story? Uh, Red Hood, it was kind of the story of, of Joker's first trip into Arkham Asylum, where he's meeting with a psychotherapist. And, uh, I, you know... The Red Hood was involved, like a lot of the Joker's possible origin was in there. Uh, but it was a heartbreaker because Doug uh, got yanked off it after like 30, 35 pages to work on whatever the crisis book was at that time. Uh, Infinite Crisis or Final Crisis, whatever one it was. And, uh, and DC's kept him so busy that he's never had time to get back to it now. But one of these years, we'll finish that book up and it's... Uh, Oh, so it never came out? No, it never came out, but it's a, it's a force of nature by Doug. Like, it's really the best stuff he's ever done. Oh, man. Well, I hope you guys, yeah, I hope I hope that sees the light of day. Good Christ. Uh, Tomorrow's, the, the excellent magazine uh, company uh, that publishes all the great, like, Alter Ego and uh, some of these other uh, back issue covers, the, the Bronze Age, and you just see so many wonderful pages of art of, yeah, that never, they never finished that, and that's in a drawer somewhere. And it's like, oh man, how come? That's awesome. Why, what's wrong with you? There are, probably, there are probably more incredible comics out there that we've never read that have never been completed uh, than there are comics that we have read. Oh, like, there's man. so much lost work out there that is never going to uh, see the light of day. Even like stuff I've written for DC, you know, I I probably forty thousand dollars worth of writing work I've done for DC that hasn't never come out. Crazy. I know. 
Jesus Christ. Good. And, you know, holy, who knows what, you know, whatever this rebirth is, I hope, uh, I hope Joker year one and some of that other work still fits in there and everything, man. Yeah. Last time I was Mark Doyle, he was interested in trying to find a place for it on the schedule, but it's just, oh, good. It's just timing wise. And now with rebirth, who knows what they're going to do. But one of these well, years, man, we're going to get it out. Jesus. You know, yeah. And well, you know, you would think that uh, hopefully with Suicide Squad and uh, Jared Leto's interpretation of the Joker, there might be a, re- a reason for new Joker product or something like that. Sure. We'll just put some tattoos on his face and they'll fit right in. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I hope, uh, I, I don't, I don't even know what to think of uh, Rebirth. I, I hope they get it right. I truly do. Because it's been a while since we've had some consistently good. I mean, there's, there's, there, are, there are pockets of good books here and there from DC, but not enough. And I, I got to be honest, man. I, I, I understand. I understood the need for Flashpoint to shake things up. Frankly, I wish they had gone in that Flashpoint direction because those were really interesting ideas for all the characters. Uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman and, and you know the Atlanteans and the Amazons being at war and even the the st- Superman backstory getting very government you know conspiratorially and everything and the, that was really interesting other than hey let's give him a V neck and uh, take away his uh, underwear that's outside of his pants <laughs> you know I mean it's like you know like do something bold and and, and that's the thing I think that there's a and again this is my editorial don't feel because sure, I don't right. want I don't want to screw anything up and. Don't screw up any contracts for you no, or anything in me. the future. But yeah, I just you know I I uh, based on what Jeff said at the summit, did you did you watch the video? Are you I did not staying watch on top the video, of but I, I know that the push of it is to bring the legacy aspect of the DC characters back, which I really think mm-hmm. has been missing. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the charm of the DC universe uh, is the legacy of these different characters and history. And uh, I think to incorporate that back in is a really smart move. Well, that you like you said, you to abandon it made no sense because you know, and they'll get the they'll get the smarmy, uh, snarky comment. Oh, it's DC stands for Dad's Comics, and it's like, That's... no man, the same would go for Marvel. I mean, it's you know the the soap opera, and it is the legacy that that's half the fun, and it never felt inaccessible to me when I first jumped in. No, you know, and, like, you know like a guy like Jeff uh, Jeff Johns is so good with continuity. Agreed. Like he really knows how to use continuity as a tool and not as something that's going to get in the way of a good story. So I really, I feel like it's going to be in good hands. Do you think? What do you think of the length of uh, of story arcs these days? I mean, because my concern, especially with what came out in the last year, and even some of the best examples, I think it's it's a great story. But really, did you need ten? Nine issues or ten issues, because even I'll, I'll even because I love Scott Snyder. I think he's an excellent Batman writer. But I think you really needed that many issues to tell this story. I I, I got to be honest. It's like I, I I really think the price point is making me wish that we were going back to uh, three part stories. And I, I and obviously there's your Act One, your Act Two, and Act Three. So it's it kind of fits a classic story model to maybe go back to that. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a big fan of single issue stories, really. Great. And then every once in a while, you know, expand it to a two or three issue uh, tale. But I think you know, one and dones are great, and I think you collect six of those in a trade, and it's a good read. Sure. But that's just my preference, you know. I mean, people do things different ways, and they're all more successful than I am. So. No, I understand. And, and to be honest, even um, the digital first books, I would read them digitally. 
and I didn't feel like I was cheated. I thought that like I'm getting a real story uh, experience here. Yeah. So I think in the right hands, you know, uh, size doesn't matter, and it really is. You know, as long as as long as it's a, an effective story, and you feel like you're getting your money's worth, everything's okay. I, I couldn't agree more with you right there. Like it's like you're my soulmate yeah. right now, John. <laughs> well, as I said, I, 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 you had me at a low when uh, <laughs> I remembered your uh, your your, uh, your run on, on JSA. And man, you were on that book a long time, right? Probably the probably the best time of my career uh, as an artist too. For most of it, like you know, working with Leonard Kirk uh, was great. Cool. Yes, I've met that too. That's awesome. You know, in that time frame, my first son was born, so it was like the best time of my life. Uh, working with Tomasi as my editor, who was the best editor I ever worked with. Like, it was just a really good uh, situation at that point in time. Like, it didn't get any better. Well, and that book obviously encompassed the whole idea of legacy as well. And that was also the book where, you know, where Jeff Johns uh, became like capital letters Jeff Johns. You know, yep. You know, he really blossomed and became the superstar that he is now. So, like, I got to kind of like have a backseat and just kind of watch this guy blow up. True. And was were Goyer and Robinson writing when you when you got on the book or was it just was was Jeff Solo by then? Uh, Goyer was on the book in the beginning when I got on there. Uh-huh. And I uh, didn't I think Maybe for like five or six issues. I'm not even sure how long. He was on his way out. Sure. Uh, that, well, and he was he was about to get busy with Hollywood. Yeah, he's a, you know he's a big shot. So. <laughs> and James, right? James James was co-writing for a while too. James Robinson. Yeah, I think James started. I forget the. Chronology. Was it James and Goyer in the beginning, and then Jeff came on when James left, and then Goyer left it all to Jeff. That I think that's what it was. Okay, that sounds likely and everything. I mean, that's the thing, you know. J- uh, James obviously uh, not only the um, initial miniseries that became JSA, and then also the Golden Age. I loved the Golden. That's Age. a great book. I got to work with James on Starman for a year too, and that was another good experience. Oh, that's fun. Did you? And then you worked with Tony on that, or no, I worked um, with Peter Snyberg on that. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. No, I love his stuff too. Yeah, he's really that's fantastic. An amazing artist too. He actually drew the first versions of Mighty for us, which were. Uh, I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, home guys, run. It's yeah, so nepotistic, isn't it? It's like all the same guys working together over and over again. Yeah, but you guys – but that's the thing and that's what we started to talk about with anchors and, and pencilers and stuff. A good team. I mean there's – that's awesome, man. That's the thing. I, I, you know, when you find a guy like Snyberg who's just a genius and has no ego, you just want to work with him forever. That's excellent. What what other artists uh, do you enjoy uh, collaborating with? Mm, well, I, I don't think it gets any really – Probably, probably my favorite. I was gonna say Doug is because Doug is the greatest guy in the world and he's an amazing artist. I think my favorite guy I've ever worked with in terms of style is uh, Pascal Ferry, who I worked with on Superboy for uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, I, I feel like he's just a genius. Uh, I think his design sense is almost Morbius-like. Like he's just an incredible artist. Who was writing the book back then? Joe Kelly, I think it was. Okay, I was going to wonder if it was Dan or Jimmy or No, Joe actually, or... like, uh, Jeff and I pitched for that book when Joe was leaving, and uh, we were... You and Jeff Johnson Yeah, Jeff and I pitched that? that book together. We were going to team up, and uh, we had a great pitch, and uh, they hired uh, Dan and Jimmy to do it instead. Okay, all right. We lost out to Dan and Jimmy. Oh, well, you know. Yeah, I miss Connor. I don't, uh, I don't think... Because I know the... Now, I, I thought the wrinkle in the New 52 five years ago was interesting that he was 
it was more this like you know mistake, and it was interesting both the mistake um, from a Kryptonian standpoint. I thought that spin was really interesting, and also that he was kind of like a Star Labs experiment gone wrong as well. I thought both of those levels were interesting. I kind of missed um, you know the original incarnation and what he became through his solo book and also in Teen Titans as well, because I think he kind of found his his character. Yeah, and then post Flashpoint, you know, it was kind of back to square one again. I can't honestly say I've kept up with uh, the character, like since I left. I understand. Well, and like I said, I don't even know if they're, you know, leading into Rebirth. I don't even know if there is a Superboy. Who's to say? What's happening right now? See now, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I am very curious. I didn't like again because of legacy. I, I don't mind if there's a difference of opinion with within the family, but it really did seem like. All right, Supergirl hates him, and also Superboy hates Superman, and it's like Superman's barely a man himself. That was the other thing that bothered me. I, I, I man, I'll tell you, you poor guy, you're you're like hearing my my DC complaints, <laughs> like like you're like you're the guy from the phone company. Another thing that's wrong with you people, uh, no, I, uh, I don't know, man. It just it seems to me that Superman is currently too young. Um, I can see that. I yeah I just don't I don't buy I I really think I don't mind and again I grew up when Superman was like appeared to be in Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson's hands forty years old I mean he was kind of a father figure that is Superman to me like that incarnation like if I close my eyes and think of Superman it's always Kurt Swan I'm with you Uh, he yeah he was he was incredible I'm I'm such a fan I have one page of uh, Kurt Swan and Tex Blaisdell art oh Tex was the man. Did you know him at the at the Kubrick yeah, School? He was Did he teach you? School. He was the saltiest, like, codger <laughs> you would ever meet. Just, but also like the sweetest guy. That's cool. Who were some of the old timers that you were, that you got to learn from at the at the Kubrick School? Obviously, Joe himself, I would imagine as well. Yeah, I got to uh, I spent some time with Joe in the third year. Um, cool. At that time, Joe was probably in his like late seventies, and crushed me in arm wrestling <laughs> and I, you know I'm, I'm not a weak guy like i i think i arm wrestled my entire class um the day before and like beat them one at a time and so i was like i think i'm ready for joe and then joe just crushed me like it was like you know and his, and andy cooper told me he's like dude my dad's gonna kill you he's just gonna break your arm uh and he was right joe killed me but yeah no i, I remember joe uh, one of the best things that ever happened to me in my entire life was just uh, sitting with Joe one day and he just inked some of my pencils on something and just watching him like ink my work and explain his different choices and why he was doing what he was doing, what this line meant, why he was changing this. It was, you know, it was a dream come true, man. But also uh, Jose Delbo, uh, another classic uh, artist. Yes, uh, yes. Tex Blaisdell. Those are the uh, High Eisman, who's an amazing uh, comic strip artist, does Popeye still. He's like 90 years old, still does a Popeye daily strip, and uh, it's better than ever. That's fantastic. So those are, those are the main, like, old – oh, and Erwin Hazen. Everyone knows Erwin. From- of course, Erwin. Oh, yes. Oh, I got to meet him at a New York convention. He was And uh, his comic strip, Dondi. Uh, my si- and I told him, I'm like, oh, I got to tell you, man, I love your – I love all your art. But Dondi, my sister and I, it would just break our heart every week. That poor little immigrant kid. It's like, oh, where's he, where's he going to be next week? Is he is he going to be okay? <laughs> he was, 
we just follow his uh, his Sunday uh, exploits and stuff. But it was just what a what a great strip. And he was he, he couldn't have been sweeter about it and stuff. No, I I, I enjoyed meeting Mister Hazen absolutely. Yeah, he was a character. He was definitely uh, no, very <laughs> few people know more about storytelling uh, than Irwin did. He had that great. Um, graphic novel that he made about like just picking up women that was i think that was his thing he was a playboy <laughs> like he was a lifelong bachelor and uh you know he was four foot two i think but he just he tight little man absolutely he just pulled on the ladies from what i understand and he was a charming guy he was and he and i see him at, at and i'm sure you saw him too in new york he'd be in his little safari suit <laughs> yeah totally always had the safari suit on and he, like he said like he was just charming like one day i got into i got into an argument with erwin in class um because I was penciling, I was trying to pencil a book. It was a real job. And I said, Erwin, you know, can I, instead of doing, like, penciling these pages for your homework, can I pencil this actual job and then use these pages as your homework? Like, it's still storytelling. It's still, you know, it's still kind of the same thing. And he wouldn't let me. We had a big argument about it. So he ended up calling me shitface. He's like, you know, what am I supposed to do, shitface, when you come in here with your shitty work because you're going to crap it out because you're busy doing this other stuff. And uh, he was so charming that I just fell in love with him as he called me shitface. Like, <laughs> I just loved him even more. Oh, that's awesome. Did they ever finish that? I know there's a short documentary that they made about Irwin that I forget if the New York Times or whatever put it up. But um, I know they were making a long-form documentary because I even, like, I, I think they had a booth at, San at New York. And I, I remember, like, giving him a couple bucks and putting my name down of, yeah, when you're finished, please let me know. I'd love to buy this or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if they made one about Irwin. I know they made one with High Eisman, the whole documentary about his career. Oh, that'd be cool to see, too. Yeah, I think that's out. I think that's, like, done. Oh, I'm going to have to scan around and look for that. That's cool. Yeah, he's, he's that's another, cool. like, just another great guy. I'm kicking myself. A couple San Diegos ago, I met this lovely woman who made an amazing documentary about Jeff Jones. Um, oh, really? The yeah, and and really talked about uh, uh, her personal life. Jeff Jeff was a transgendered artist, and uh, an amazing for the listeners who may not know uh, was part of the studio um, when um, Barry Windsor Smith and Michael Kaluta and I'm I'm blanking on who else was uh, part of the studio back in the early seventies. Wrightson, Jeff Jones. That, uh, that, that's right, Bernie Wrightson was in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kaluta, Barry Smith. So, yeah, maybe it was just the four of them, but kind of like the in, in their own small way, kind of like the image founders in terms of they all got together. They made this incredible portfolio that they would sell in the back of like Warren uh, publications like Creepy and Eerie. And um, God, she just had amazing photographs and had incredible interviews. Jeff, before uh, he, you know, kind of found himself as uh, first, I believe, a gay man and then. A transgendered person uh, was married to uh, Louise Simonson uh, before uh, she married Walt. And uh, when you knew her as Wheezy Jones, it was because she was you married know, to I Jeff. I never for a knew while. that she was married to Jeff Jones. I, I didn't know that. Oh my god! And and these photographs—they're all babies. And Louise looks like Marsha Brady. <laughs> I, it's just amazing. And seriously, it's like because I love going to those panels at shows and hearing the creators from the '60s and '70s talk about that era. And, you know, you'll get Len Wayne and go, well, we all, you know, we're just had massive crushes on Louise. And he, Louise is a lovely woman now. And I don't mean to be an asshole and, you know, just talk to her about her, her looks. But, my God, she was a knockout when she was a kid. I mean, it's like, yeah, no kidding. Everybody was had a crush on Louise. So she was adorable. And and Linda uh, 
Linda uh, uh, Reinhold now, and I forget what Linda's maiden name was, but she was Barry Windsor Smith's girlfriend. And, um, oh, my God, just tremendous interviews and photographs of these kids. You know, again, Mike Kaluta, you see him now, and here's Mike Kaluta in his 20s, and here's Bernie Wrightson in his 20s. And, oh, it's fantastic. And Jeff's just Jeff's story, and there's a lot of uh, first-person interviews with Jeff and interviews with uh, creators that were inspired by him. And it is this amazing film. And I know it's being sold on DVD, and, I, and I'm kicking myself that I still haven't had the filmmaker on Word Balloon. And it just was literally just scheduling with the filmmaker where she was busy and I was busy. And I, I, I now talking about uh, some of these other comic documentaries. It's like, well, i got to get her on, man. I'm going to so, uh, try to the movie. It's, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. And, yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably certain that it sells through Amazon and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it was, they had a special presentation of it at San Diego and, um, Gary Gianni and, um, uh, Hellboy, uh, and now I'm blanking, uh, uh, God damn it. The creator of Hellboy. How I'm can I blank on the creator? Yeah. How can I uh, blank on uh, Mike Mignola? Exactly. They're talking to her and Gary's like, John, you got to get her on word balloon. I'm like, Oh man, I'd love to. And she's just charming as hell. Beautiful film. Really amazing film, kind of in that way when you see good documentaries about the 60s and 70s. And it's the best comics documentary I've ever seen about that era. It really is. It's it's a great use of music and, and photographs. And seriously, it's just unbelievably cool. Von Bode is in the story because he had a relationship with Jeff for a bit. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. It's mind-blowing, mind-blowing documentary. So you see, there we go, Keith. I'm giving you the full word balloon treatment. We're like going off on tangents. No, I mean, I got. I mean, I'm just thinking as you're talking, like, uh, like out of that forming collective at the studio, like, it's crazy how much talent was just like in that little space. Like these four guys, or you know, or three guys and a woman, because uh, Jeff was transgender. Uh, just like, what are the odds that those four people would just like group together and? push each other to grow and become these legendary artists. Absolutely. And I mean, they, you know, you'll see, you know, some of the covers and interiors that they were doing back then. And then also the really sad thing that when Jeff transgendered, he kind of, you know, fell away from the community and, and, you know, that's, it's really sad. It really is. It, it's, it's a very poignant uh, personal story about Jeff but also of that time. And, and just like you said, I mean, and that's why I made the image comparison because these guys really were the top young, young guns. And, you know, again, Jeff at the time was, it was before he had changed his, uh, his gender, but that's the thing. They were the top artists of their time. And, uh, and yeah, just, uh, Jeff's story just got really sad. And, and it's, it's a shame that he, that she could not continue to enjoy, uh, the, you know, her, her, her the fruits of her talent. Yeah. Um, I so. made a note myself on a piece of paper next to me. I'm going to track this down. This movie, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, man. No, totally, honestly, and I and uh, it gives me another reason to uh, uh, track uh, the filmmaker down and, and have her on because yeah, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing story. So there you go. Nice downer to, to kind know, of wrap man, things that's, up. That's, that's <laughs> now I bummed him out, man. I'm crying over here. Let me give you a, all right. Let me give you a, a happy thing uh, because I noticed that one of the uh, uh, pledges too is. Uh, for just fifteen dollars, uh, you get an original joint drawing of your choice. Oh, and they're all gone. I know it's not six fun. backers. You put your kids to work, man. I did. Uh, I Jack put my and kids Gabe. to work. My twelve-year-old and my six-year-old. I was like, "You guys going to do some drawings as rewards?" And uh, what's funny, I assumed when I did that that you know, like my mom would get one, 
or you know, uh, you know, one yeah, of their friends, uncles, like yeah. they're all family. Uh, out of those six rewards, the six drawings from from my kids, I don't know one person that pledged on those rewards. <laughs> That's great. So I, people must have maybe thought it was a cute idea or something, and just and jumped on. Those went pretty quick too. Like they were, they were going within a couple of days. Is that a fun activity that the three of you guys get together and uh, you guys just sit out, just hang out, and draw? Not really. No. Okay. No, I mean, my kids both draw, you know, just for fun. Sure. Um. My oldest son is more of a writer than an artist. He loves to write. Terrific. Uh, my younger son won't stop drawing. And for me, if I'm not working, the last thing I'm going to do is I'm, gonna sit, I'm not going to sit down and draw anything. Like, I can appreciate that. Okay, because I, I know the other artists that are like, you know, Michael Jordan with basketball, love of the game, and just, you know, can't, can't stop drawing. And even to relax, they're always drawing and stuff. So Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite. If I'm not working, I'm not drawing anymore. Like. I got to get away from it and just recharge my, my batteries. You know, I mean, sure. we do sit down and we'll, we'll scribble or doodle sometimes. So I'm not a complete, like, jerk parent that won't draw with those kids. Oh, no, I understand. But it's, it's nothing that I, that I want to do for fun. I have other things I want to do as a hobby. Do you do a warm-up sketch or anything to, to kind of, like, get started with work? Or are you able to dive right in? Uh, I usually dive right in. And mainly not because I'm, I'm, I'm warmed up. But I'll just I'll do simple things first to warm up because I don't like my schedule is so regimented every day. You know, like once my kids get to school, I've got six hours to get as much done as I can before school ends. I understand. And then I'm doing the whole running the karate thing and going to the activity sure. that activity. And then I work when they go to bed. So I don't waste a lot of time with warm ups and things. I just like I'll link backgrounds to warm up or I'll you know, I'll I'll handle simple uh things. Understood. Yeah, just trying you, to maximize my time. Well, I uh, like I said, I think the switch is definitely worth uh, people's attention. Thank you. And I'm glad you brought it to my attention, and I'm happy to help uh, promote it. Um, 21 days to go as of this recording. Let me do the math. So, uh, you know, uh, just over two weeks um, left in the campaign when this comes out. But uh, go to Kickstarter and look for the switch under uh, Keith Champagne's uh, name and... Tom Nguyen's name, and uh, you will get more details. But uh, no, I think this is this is awesome, and I and I wish you luck. I, I you're close to your goal, but I hope you make it to uh, make it the full eighty pages. Yeah, and, no, uh, me too. Like that's that's our dream is to get an eighty page hardcover out there. That's excellent. We're definitely trying to make it worth everyone's while to contribute. Check out the page, and I think you're going to find a lot of reasons to uh, support this Kickstarter. And uh, hey, man, continued success and. Uh, uh, you're welcome back when you got when you got more to talk about. If uh, when the dynamite stuff uh, gets announced or whatever, and uh, you want to blab about it, you're, we we can uh, pick up the conversation and uh, talk even more. Oh, that sounds great. We should just talk about comics history sometime. That was a fun- anytime. Oh well, yeah, you know if you li- you listen, so yeah, you know I'm happy to uh, you know talk about talk about your Cubert uh, School uh, teachers or you know the 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 creators that you enjoyed back in the day and stuff. I'm happy to talk about that. Oh, as we'll well. go for hours just on John Bisama. It'd be my pleasure to talk for hours about Job Seven. No question, man. That's great. All right. Man. Excellent. No, it's a pleasure, Keith. Thanks Thank a you lot. Thank you so much, John. That's Keith Champagne. I hope you'll uh, help him and Tom Nguyen out on their Kickstarter campaign for the Switch. About two weeks left, and they could really use your help. I'd like to see this thing become that full 80-page giant, as they discussed. That'll do it for this episode of Ward Balloon. I hope you enjoyed it. It was brought to you today by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where tremendous deals are happening on books like... DC Superhero Girls Hardcover, Wonder Woman at Superhero High, 
is uh, 40% off. It's just $8.39. Bob's Burgers, ongoing, volume two, 30% off. It's just $10.49. You get Tom Taylor's full run on Injustice, Gods Among Us. Man, what a great book. One of the best Justice League books in the last five years. And our buddy from Down Under, Tom Taylor, was responsible for the uh, writing. And Bruno Redondo was the artist. It's 42% off, just $14.49. From Andy Diggle and Sean Martinborough, Robert Kirkman's Thief of Thieves. Man, one of my favorite uh, image books. Uh, Volume 5 is available now. That's called Take Me. 42% off, just $8.69. Some of the great deals happening at InStockTrades.com. Uh, do yourself a favor and go to the website. You'll find a lot more deals. And don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping. And that's from our good friends at InStockTrades.com. John Sutra saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Uh, thank you. Uh, lots more coming up in the month of March. More newcomers and first-timers. More old friends stopping by. And uh, the hits just keep on coming. Thank you for your continued support and uh, interest in uh, when you listen. And uh, your feedback is always welcomed at uh, my email, john at wordballoon.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter under at John Word Balloon or on Facebook under my name, John Suntress, and the Word Balloon Network. Spread the word. If you enjoy Word Balloon, uh, the best thing you can do to help me is let a friend know who might enjoy the show that they've got to check it out as well. I keep getting emails and tweets from newcomers, and that's really nice. I'm glad that uh, people are discovering Word Balloon, and I hope you enjoy the hundreds of hours of entertainment that uh, I've been trying to bring you for the last 11 years. 11th anniversary coming up in May. Insane. We are just two weeks away from C2E2. I will be there roaming the aisles and talking to our friends in Artist Alley and uh, doing what I can to get floor interviews, but more importantly, setting up the longer interviews on Word Balloon. But uh, if you're there, uh, please come say hello. If you, if you see me, and uh, I'll be able to thank you in person for uh, listening to the show. Truly appreciate it. So until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.